This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. This is Nomad Futurist, Nabil Mahmood, your host from Orlando, Florida. This is Philip Koblenz, your co-host live from Data Center World in Orlando, Florida. Hi, this is Moises Levy here from Data Center World 2021, live in Orlando, Florida. All right, looks like that we made it. We are live, ladies and gentlemen, in person. Moises, thank you very much for joining us. Let's start with getting to know you, Nabil, Philip. Thank you for the invitation. Let's talk about a little about me. I am a civil and electrical engineer, have a master's degree in electrical engineering and a PhD in electrical engineering, but that doesn't say too much about me. I wake up every morning and I'm eager to do what I love to do. If you just wake up and you feel that you do what you want to do, you will not be working one day of your life you will be enjoying your life. This journey began a few years ago when I was a kid. I entered to the university and seriously, I wasn't sure what I was going to study. I remember I wasn't sure which major I was going to pursue. Maybe engineering, maybe medicine. I wasn't sure about it. If you are unsure and if you are young, that's natural. Nowadays, you have too many options. But I decided engineering is a great field. You can be creative, you can innovate, and the most important, you can create to make a better world. How did you end up picking civil engineering? There is a major gap between civil engineering and electrical engineering. That's, that's really an amazing question. I wasn't sure, but I was, I was going to study and I wasn't sure if it was going to be electrical engineering or civil engineering. I loved both. Then I did both majors. So did you do both of them at the same time or no, did you no. pick one or the other? Yeah, I picked, pick up the first one, electrical engineering. And after I decided to study civil engineering at the same time that I did my master's degree in electrical engineering. So and engineering in general, is that something that, uh, did that run in the family? Is it something that as a kid, do you just liked, uh, you just liked engineering somehow or how did it come about earlier on? Uh, I'm not sure about it, but I always love to see how, when a building was built, construction, but I, I always was wondering how does it work? How the electricity walks through those wires? <laughs> how does all these communications, though, everything attract me? And that, I decided I will go for both majors. So at, and, and at the end, I decided it's great because it's about knowledge. 
you should not put like a box only in electrical engineering or another box in civil engineering. It's about general knowledge. That's a great combination. I've never in my entire career have had the opportunity to talk to anybody that's a civil and electrical engineer. You see combination of electrical mechanical, but never civil and electrical. At, let's step it back a little bit. As a kid, what were your interests? What did you want to do when, when you were growing up? It sounds like that you were very interested in electricity. Sounds like that you enjoyed looking in buildings or had an interest in making and designing buildings or the civil aspect of engineering. What it, led you to, to, to who you are today? Yeah, when I was a kid in high school, I was interested a lot in music. I used to play guitar. I used to paint. I remember my parents had a toy factory and I used to design all the boxes and everything. I used to draw comics. I remember being in high school, buying those magazines, Mad. Oh, I remember Mad. Mad If you fold yeah. the last page, then you, you have seen those magazines. I used to draw all those <laughs> comics. I still have drawings at my home. My kids' bedroom are nowadays decorated with drawing that I did many, many years ago <laughs> when my parents had a toy factory and they used to go to these toy fairs. I remember jumping into and say, don't hire anybody. I will decorate your stand. <laughs> I can only imagine how, how amazing of a childhood would be if your parents owned a toy factory. Oh that my God. Sounds... <laughs> no, 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 no. There's nothing, there's nothing. I mean, I, you know, some kids want firefighters or whatever. I think Moises has it right. A toy factory are the best parents ever. So congratulations, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Levy on uh, having the best career. For, yeah, uh, and, and I always have <laughs> admired my parents because they, they always taught me to have a lot of integrity and the right things. I remember when being, being a kid, I have two siblings and my parents are always told us it's December, we are closing the factory. You have to take the truck, fill it with toys and, and give it away to needed people. Why is this Levy's parents were Mr. and Mrs. Claus? We found him. We found him. The original elf. The original no, elf. I have always done that. All Decembers, we gather a lot of toys, went to certain hospitals with my siblings <clears throat> and give away toys. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Uh, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Venezuela. My parents are from Spain. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a great part of the story. Like you've got to, you've got to give back. I think that's yeah, the best I, I, feeling ever. I can, I can only imagine. Yeah. I believe we have to give back to the society when we have been blessed with many gifts. We have to, to help others. And after I graduated university. In Venezuela? I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I graduated my PhD. I did it here in the U.S. And I decided I will be teaching part-time because I have to give back to the university and to people. Right. 
I believe like the knowledge is free and we should share it. It's not like it is something that you will be keeping forever. If you don't share it, somebody else will do. Absolutely. So let's, let's step in ahead a little bit. So you've gone to college, you've got a civil and, uh, civil and electrical engineering. And a master's degree. And a master's degree. And that stops. And okay. then it stopped. Then I was, I began working for a company. I quit and I decided to be an entrepreneur. And I founded through several years, two or three engineering consulting companies. We were mainly focused on, on engineering, civil engineering, electrical engineering. I decided since I have the knowledge, I could manage a consulting engineering companies. We were successful. And after we were serving also multinational clients, everything went well. After another blessing came into my life, I got married and got two kids. And like six years ago, I decided to take kind of a break. It's not like really a break, but I decided to pursue a PhD doing research, how to improve data center management. I have been involved, I believe, my last 15 years with in the data center industry. <clears throat> and I decided to improve part of my research is now part of certain data center standards of best practices where I'm contributor and I'm usually contributor to other working groups. And a year ago, I wrap up my PhD and I am back to the industry, enjoying oh. what I what I love to do, working in the private industry. So we have, this was our first doctor of data centers. Well, we have been told not <laughs> to call him dog. Yeah, I know, but in but this you. particular case, I always do what I'm not told to do, right? So <laughs> the first ever doctor of the data center. Absolutely. Congratulations, everyone. Congrats. <laughs> So again, you know, what I want our audience to understand is that you did not know 15 plus years ago what a data center was. Yeah, that's correct. Totally correct. I remember like in the 90s, <clears throat> there was a boom in the telecommunication industry because of the deregulation of the telecommunication industry. When I deregulation is because... 30 years ago, for example, in the U.S., the wire that came into your home or your office building was all by the, by the telecommunication provider. And they deregulate that. And now all the builders could install their own cable and choose which telecommunication service providers. That was about the 90s. And after there was a boom with the, at first the ARPANET and then the internet and everything began there. And nowadays we know the result. We have small computers in our hands that can do a lot more that, than was imagined. And we were impacted in 2020 by COVID-19. 
that acted as a booster for the data center industry. This industry is booming nowadays, despite the disruption in the supply chain, despite all the bad things that have caused this pandemic because it has affected to all of us directly or indirectly. But this pandemic enabled the fastest growth in this industry because we rely nowadays in data centers. It, the, those are the backbone of the digital economy, of the world economy. Nowadays, you are, we're not allowed to think in a world economy without putting the term digital. So how much of, uh, how much of your success, um, uh, do you think is attributed to just s simply timing, you know, being in the right place at the right time when, um, you know, you had the telecom deregulation and you had the kind of, you know, the, the, the coming of age of, of data centers and, and the internet and critical infrastructure industry as, as a thing, um, you know, clearly that's not what you had initially intended um, when when you started on your journey, but it sounds like you left yourself open and we're kind of amazed at, uh, at how um, that, that industry came to be. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to reinvent yourself because you, you don't know what the future is preparing for, for you, but what you have said is totally true. You have to, to be in the right place at the right time. I've given the right opportunity. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and of course, you should have the knowledge to take advantage of the opportunity. That is why I will encourage all the new generations to be prepared, study, go for what you want, but don't be disappointed if you are not sure what you want right away. I have been also, but last year I was also professor in, the in a university working remotely because of all of this situation. And I introduced on a spring 2021, a new graduate and undergraduate course called Introduction to Data Centers. And it was really amazing. The first question that I asked them was like, do you know what are, what is the cloud? What are data centers? And some people told me, of course, we know what is the cloud. It's everywhere. It's here. Data centers. No, that's another thing. <laughs> okay. It's really simple. The cloud are just interconnected data centers on the ground. Everything is on the ground, guys. Nothing lives. <laughs> and, that's an, and that's what's so amazing. You know, I, 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 we talk about this often about, you know, one of the goals of our podcast is to kind of demystify our industry. Um, and I think, you know, between the, the marketing speak where, you know, people, you know, watch commercials and they talk about the cloud and they show pictures of actual clouds um, and everyone is using technology. So I think inevitably, especially kids, you know, my kids, you know, had, a, had an iPhone in their head literally from the day after they were born, probably close, close enough. 
Um, and I think they just assume that they understand technology because they know how to use it, but they don't know really why it works because they weren't there at the, you know, the, at the time before there was this digital age where we literally saw the building blocks. So to you, the cloud and the data center is just fundamental knowledge because you were kind of there when it was built. It's not really through some course or even your, your PhD in data centers. You kind of saw them being built. So you got it. Um, so I think it's incredibly important to, to, to introduce, you know, young, the younger generation to the kind of back end of why all of this, um, all of this stuff works. And, and to that end, um, given the fact that you have this university, um, background and you started this introduction to data center courses, um, what do you think of the kind of educational system, um, that, that our kids go through now and, 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 you know, how they are taught particularly about or not taught, uh, about technology at a young age? I believe that when you go to the university, you have like the fundamentals. And after you will decide, there are a lot of disrupting technologies nowadays. We see special computing, robotics, automation, modular construction. There are a lot of disrupting technologies that maybe they are not being taught at a university level. But how I see university, they prefer you for almost everything. They, they give you the fundamentals. I'm a great believer that we should add some new courses related to data centers. Mainly a data center to demystify what is a data center. It's like another engineering project, another building, but with different characteristics. The main one is that data center are energy intensive projects. What it means, energy intensive projects, like a data center can consume 50 times more energy than a conventional building. And in addition, they have a lot of equipment inside. So they are really heavy. So we need structures that must support that weight. In addition, they transmit a lot of data here and there. Each time you are watching a, a video or you are doing gaming, just to give you an idea, internet traffic between 2010 and 2019 have grown about 12 times. And, and, and this is about the data center. And also we must keep on all those facilities so they have must be really reliable. And what is reliability? How we achieve that is the same. Let's imagine you have in your household just one car and you say, what will happen if that car fails? Okay, I will, I may buy another car. It should be expensive, but if it's Necessary, you should have a second car, like a spare one. We do the same in data center. We use the term redundancy, but it's the same one. Instead of one generator, we use two generators or three generators. And that is what it is called in the data center industry. Maybe you have called these terms 
rating one, rating two, rating three, or rating four, or tier one, two, three, four. But all of, all of this is about reliability to reduce the probability of failure. Let's imagine that just one day you will wake up and you don't have an internet connection or a cell phone connection. What will you do that day? Taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that will be a blessing for us. Yeah. We can go hiking. I love nature. I didn't mention that, but I did a travel a few years ago to California. And the best part was staying at Big Sur. It's like a natural area where you can enjoy. And by the way, there is almost no cellular reception. Not a, not a lot of redundancy. It's not, uh, it's not even an end facility, as we call it. But sometimes we need kind of a break. But don't be afraid about complicated terms. If anybody tells, tells you something complicated, ask him, can you explain it in simple terms? If they are not able to do it, it's maybe we should be asking to another people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. If they are not able to explain it in layman's terms, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. I think that's true. And I think what you're saying is is entirely correct. I think trying to, like if our goal here is to demystify our industry, I think trying to put it in regular terms where you give people real world examples that they would understand in their own lives, uh, like the, you know, the car example or or whatever is is a perfect way for them to understand kind of the fundamental reasons why the data center industry exists. I happen to think that it should happen, you know, significantly before the university level, because I think it's important for, you know, children to understand the building blocks of what they're doing, and that will only make them more curious. But um, I think it's a great way to... to yeah, share. absolutely. I believe that nowadays the data center industry is able to incorporate all that knowledge at the university, undergrad and graduate level or technicians, because we need a large number of people. Data center operates not because of engineers. We need people to operate data centers. We need all kinds of people to monitor. Let's say we have an alarm. We need people to monitor alarms. Nowadays, we are using AI, artificial intelligence-enabled tools to help us to process th that mass, those that massive amounts of data that are that is being collected from data centers. Otherwise, we are not going to be able. But there are a lot of fields. Doesn't matter what you are going to study. Maybe you are going to study design, architecture, human resources. I I don't know. It's the I mean, law, finance. It all, it all finance. I mean, everything. Everything will relate to data centers. For example, let's imagine a data center that is buying renewable energy. Okay, we need lawyers. We need people that really understand that field. Environmental engineering, where to buy those, how to negotiate. We need a lot of people in this industry and we are here to stay because this is enabling us our digital future. Absolutely. Yeah. We are the data rush economy, right? Everything is going to be connected. Everyone's going to have internet access. Everyone's going to want data at their fingertips. That's, that's the future. In some way, form or shape, we are going to be connected tomorrow.
One of the things that kind of got my attention when you mentioned uh, the the date introduction to data center, are you guys looking at talking about the that bit of data transfer? What does that mean to carbon emissions? Absolutely. Just to let you know, we have been a grow like from 2010 to 2019, workloads have grown about eight times. Internet traffic, about 12 times. But despite that growth, thank you to all the energy efficiency improvement in this industry. Thank you for all the innovation that have happened. We have been able to maintain the global the energy consumption of the data center industry. It is estimated that from 2010 until 2019, the energy consumption of data centers worldwide is about 1% of the global energy. And I want to demystify, but, but why, why is that? Mainly of many reasons energy improvements in servers. The efficiency of processors have been by a factor by five, thanks to CPU improvements in idle power. And, and also this huge growth in workloads, we have been able to move all the new workloads to the new high-efficient hyperscale data centers. So mainly because of those reasons and new technologies in cooling, in power, we have been able to flatten the energy consumption of data center. But that doesn't mean that we are not able to do better. I am a great believer that we can do better. Nowadays, it is estimated that we consume annually about 200 terawatts hours. That's a lot, a lot of energy. Now we are looking into to be more renewable, more green, more sustainable. What is that? It's about to lower the carbon emission, what just Nabil said. And how can we achieve that? Using more renewable energy is challenging nowadays. I consider that we are still in a very early stage, like a diaper stage. We are not walking yet, but we will be be walking soon. Thank you. And we, we will thank you to the new generation that must innovate because new generation is the hope for innovation, how I see it. So hopefully the next generation gets us in underpants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this is great. What an inspiration story. I think, uh, you know, just from looking outside in, uh, being a musician and the toy story, what, yeah. what a phenomenal story it is. It's incredible. I think has defined who you are today. And just to add something, Nabil, my kids, because when my dad had a, a toy factory, I kept samples from a lot of toys. And my kids nowadays still play with those toys. <laughs> <laughs> and I will keep them. Yeah, of course. Maybe for 
their kids. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Gotta pass the legacy on. The, the, the toy factory. The toy factory. No, we don't have it anymore. <laughs> you have it. It's just in your house. Right. <laughs> so, Moises, uh, you know, if there is one or two takeaways that you want our audience uh, to learn, what those would be? First thing, try to pursue what you want to pursue. There is no right or wrong on what you think. Maybe you want to be a doctor. You want to be an engineer. You want to be a plumber. You want to be an electrician. You want to be an artist. Everything is well received. The good part, what I will encourage every, everybody, a must have integrity and always give back to the society and hope for a better world for our kids. Truer words could not be spoken by Mr. Claus himself. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm positive, I'm confident that the new generation will be better than us. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.